This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. Welcome to Tuesday with Ash Pollard, thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas, that's Red Energy. I'm Ash Pollard, here to talk food with you every Tuesday for the next eight weeks. And if you've forgotten who I am, my foray into the glamorous world of entertainment was via My Kitchen Rules in 2015. I'm Ash. And I'm Camilla, and we're best friends from Melbourne. It's the Paris of the South. Our entertaining style would be... Classic. Yeah. Traditional. We have some definoise, some cheddar and some pâté. We would see ourselves as food snobs. And if a dish deserves a zero, we are more than happy to give it. Sorry. We're going to win this competition because we're educated, we're well-travelled and we can cook. In this series, I'll be chewing the fat with my famous friends and a few foodies so we can learn more about them as human beings through their love of food. On this episode, I chat to my friend, comedian and actor Nazim Hussein. Nazim and I shared an intimate few months in the African jungle on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Not that long ago, that was an interesting experience and we do discuss this in this podcast, but we decided to kick things off with cravings, food cravings during pregnancy. believe it. I can't wrap my head around it. Neither can I. Don't even worry. And you know the worst thing about being pregnant, and you wouldn't know this, um, <laughs> is the, the cravings. Ooh. Like, I'm not a junk food kind of person, but Maccas, oh my oh, God. really? Yep. Like at, at normal times or is it in the middle of the night? No, I sometimes I've craved it for lunch. I, like, I'm embarrassed to say because I think it's really, it's starting to hit the thighs. I don't do diets. I don't believe in, like, diets at all, but I'll jump on the fitness bandwagon when I can be bothered. That was post the jungle. What do you mean you don't believe in diets? So do you just kind of eat everything or do you kind of eat – is it just about how much you eat? I like to moderate, you know. Like if I I want a gelato, I'll have a gelato, but I'll I'll keep in mind that I've just had that and I probably won't follow that up with something unhealthy. Yeah, so you can do that. That's something that I reckon I could sustain for a long period of time. A diet? No, no, like what you just said. Like if you have something, if you have like a bar of chocolate, you're like, oh, I just had a, a bar of chocolate, so I'll probably just have something lighter or I'll just keep that in mind for the rest of the day so that I'm not going to go have a slab of chocolate for lunch and dinner as well. Do you maintain like a Sri Lankan <laughs> diet 24-7 or do you mix it up you a know, bit? because I'm living by myself, like curries, like I love, I absolutely, it's my comfort food when I really, really want to just like, you know, just have like a, just a night in or something. Like curry is the food that I, I crave, rice and curry. But it's really heavy. It's like mm. curries have a lot of oil in it. It's rice heavy. Yeah, so it's just they're just really filling. And it's probably not healthy. If you look at a lot of Sri Lankan men, middle-aged men, they're skinny physically except for this like pot belly that they have. In fact, it's so difficult to work off that diet. I went to Sri Lanka recently, end of last year, and there's this big rock called Sigiriya. It's this like UNESCO World Heritage Site. And you climb up it and it takes a couple of hours and it's really exhausting by the end. And we had this tour guide who does it like four times a day. So super fit guy, four times up and down. And 
you know, but the but the thing is, if you look at him, he's got this freaking pot belly, which proves that like he must be eating like normal rice and curry. But even though he does that climb four times a day, you can't work it off. It's not about what oh. you do fitness wise. I think it's about like what you eat that's more important for you for the way you look. So Okay, forgive my ignorance, and I've asked you this before, you know, stereotypical Sri Lankan, Indian food, everybody always just thinks of curry and rice and naan and all the rest of it. That's not where it starts and ends. It's not. I mean, look, um, Sri Lankan food is, obviously people are very familiar with Indian food, Mm. curry, rice, naans, rotis, which is great, and Sri Lankans do a lot of that. But I think um, Sri Lankan food is a little bit more coconutty, Probably got sometimes a little bit of fruit in the curries, but also we have like string hoppers, kotharoti, like so it's um. What's a string hopper? hopper? String hopper is kind of like a rice flour stringy pancake that you use as an alternative for rice. So normally you have rice with curry, you have like string hoppers with curry, or a hopper. And if you've seen a hopper, it's kind of like a bowl-shaped pancake again, yeah. crispy, and you can have egg in it, or you can just have a plain hopper. There are like other alternatives for like the for rice and naan. And Sri Lankan's kind of like, there's something called pitu, which is like kind of like rice and coconut that's sort of crammed into like a cylinder, like a oh. little, yeah. It's pretty good. It's good food. And Do you know, I still owe you. Shut yes! up. Yes! Finally, because I was going to say, I've never had the pleasure of trying Sri Lankan food. Uh, okay, okay. How about this? As soon as June 1 comes around, mm-hmm. we were allowed to go to these restaurants, I'm going to take you to one of three Sri Lankan restaurants. Um, Cinnamons, Lankantaka or Upalis. They're three really great Sri Lankan restaurants. I'm going to take you there and give you the one-on-one. We we made a bet in the jungle. The bet was what was it? I can't even remember now. Whoever lasted longer. No. No, whoever got voted out. Got taken for for lunch by the person that won that bet. So that was uh, I-O-U, a Sri Lankan lunch. But actually, I was going to take you to this place called MKS, which is um, a grocery shop, a Sri Lankan grocery shop. But at the back, it's kind of got like an eating area. I think we could do better than that. No, but I remember you telling me that and then you thought I was too posh and too snooty for (laughs) such an establishment. But actually, it's kind of like street food. It's not really like – and and these other restaurants do like – you know, they've got the street food variety on the menu. But I know you can do it rough, man. I'm sitting with Man, I can do it rough. I ate – Asshole on the jungle, so right. I can you know I can eat anything. I've heard that you just that you didn't stop. I'm joking. I'm not. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, You're listening to Tuesdays with Ash Pollard and her special guest Nazim Hussain. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Call 131 806 today. You know, it's Ramadan right now, so oh. on Saturday is like our Eid, like our Christmas. So um, there'll be, oh, normal, like ordinarily, it'd be like heaps of parties. But So just give me the top line of Ramadan. Okay, Ramadan, month of the Muslim year where we don't eat or drink or have sex from sunrise to sunset each day for 30 days. It's a month of, of where you, you attain spiritual, I don't even look, basically you, you're supposed to try and become a better person this month. And I don't know if that's really worked with me this year. 
<laughs> I tell you, I, I'd become a horrible person if I had to abstain from all of those things. Mm. Even without Ramadan and the fasting, you still can't drink alcohol. Um, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to drink alcohol. Um, you're supposed to treat your body like a temple. You know, your body is known as a trust, like you're supposed to look after it. So really, anything that damages your body, you're not supposed to do. So, so whether that's smoking, alcohol specifically, like drugs, overeating, undereating, not exercising, like you're supposed to look after it. That's not to say everybody does that. You go well, down I was going to gonna ask, between you, and I, between you and I, have you had a beer or two? Hey, no. Nah. Look at me in the eyes. I'm looking at you down the barrel. I'm looking in the green light. Are you nervous that if you said that you did, God would punish you? <laughs> I mean, he would know God already. Knows. It's, not like, it's not like he's uh, he's, he's going to be surprised. I <laughs> <laughs> found the, the secret corner of the world where he can't find me. Okay, so how many days is Ramadan? You're not allowed to eat, drink, whatever? 30 days. We follow the lunar calendar. So you yep. know like the calendar, the January, February, March calendar, that follows the sun. Mm-hmm. The Muslim calendar is a lunar calendar. So that's about 11 days shorter than the normal year that we follow. So Ramadan is about 29 to 30 days. And um, there's a traditional method of like figuring out when the month starts or ends by looking for the moon. And if you can see it, you're like, oh, the new month has started. Or there's a more modern approach, which is just like, well, scientifically, this is when it's supposed to start. Yeah. Okay. So so you, you're fasting. Yep. Current, is that currently? You're doing that now? I'm not. I'm not. Um, but clearly I'm a bad guy. I'm swearing and all sorts of stuff. No, it's swearing that's like, fine. That's all very un-Islamic, you know. I'm supposed to be, hi, Ash. Oh. Hi. <laughs> so, okay. Well, this is all new to me, but I don't know how you last the 30 days without no, food. Listen, mate, at the end at 5.30 p.m. when the sun sets, I can eat and drink and do everything. The waters are probably the thing that makes people freak out. They're like, you can't have water. It sounds harder than it is. Once you're doing it, once you've just made a rule for yourself, oh, I'm not going to eat, it's just like... For instance, right, if your doctor told you if you drink alcohol, um, you know, if you do something, it's going to X, Y, Z, you just won't do it. It's kind of like once you make a mental decision to not eat or drink for the day, you just – it's quite easy. Easy for you maybe. Mate, you haven't tried – I'm not trying to convert you, but you should give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) You know know, intermittent fasting has become this massive thing. I know. I know it has. And um, apparently it's good for like – weight loss or like and also increasing your muscle mass and blah 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 so it's become a bit of a craze and i think um ramadan is pretty much the same kind of thing in a way what's the last thing you eat well so i try to wake up at five and then just eat something but like i'm not very good at eating early morning because i feel like i'm just half awake and so i just like i might have like a bowl of cereal or dates is kind of like a traditional thing and dates are actually like high in sugar so i think that's pretty good they sustain you Staying here for longer, they taste good. Um, but yeah, just like I just have like a few glasses of water. That's probably mostly it sounds weird, but mostly I just like live off the food from the night before. You think you'd lose weight, but people eat so much. You're not supposed to because the whole point is that you're supposed to like eat less, be empathetic to poor people, and just be appreciative of the food. And you know, but people in wealthy places like Australia, we just go nuts and just eat heaps of food. Tell me though, in the jungle, did you have to like you, you were you were eating when we were eating, but you were eating the halal versions of what we were able to eat, even though it wasn't much at all. Was there any fasting, or did you miss out on on that no, in the jungle? That, that wasn't Ramadan then, but um, I got to have the special food. I remember what did I miss out on? Crocodile. I didn't have halal oh. crocodile. Oh yes. You. I just remember that was the one thing I was like, oh, I just want a little bite because it looked so juicy and fatty. 
And like, oh. It yum. actually wasn't very nice. The Burrawurst, or however you pronounce oh, yeah, it, that yeah, big yeah, sausage. Yeah, yeah. I had that as well. They were great. Oh, God, that was good. What was the first thing that you ate when you left, because the production cooked us oh, yeah. whatever we wanted when we left. I had spaghetti bolognese. I had some sort of pasta thing, but actually when I got out of the jungle jungle and went to the Johannesburg, I just went to like the Indian place, the Indian suburb, and I had like heaps and heaps of rice and curry. Oh. Like I just remember eating so much because it got like a massive Indian population there and it was the best. It was like... Uh, I was thinking about that for the whole time I was in the jungle. Did you get any rice and curry before you went in there? What was the last thing you ate before you went uh, into the I just remember jungle? Just like, I was a fancy resort. We stayed in that fancy. But in fact, you know, every time I have sriracha sauce now, yeah. often I think about you and Dane Swan talking about it. You guys <laughs> would just be like, oh, a bit of sriracha wouldn't uh, go to waste right now. I just remember those <laughs> conversations three times a day, <laughs> bit of sriracha. Because he has it on everything. Yeah, I have it on pretty much everything at all. It's really good. But you used to go to the Alma Park, the, the markets and everything on, on Saturday Paran Sunday. Market. Huh? The Paran Market. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the Paran Market. Right, right Oh, right, that's right. where it's at. Yeah. What about South Melbourne Market? Do you go there? Yeah, I don't mind South Melbourne Market, but it's a bit of a, like a rabbit warren for me. Yeah. I, I know all the vendors at Paran Market. I'm on first name basis with all the vendors, so that's what I love. But well, it's, I can go with you. Absolutely. It's expensive. Yeah. But you're a rich comedian. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. As you can see, I'm doing uh, heaps of sold-out shows to massive audiences at the moment, so money's not a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> I read this really interesting article um, this morning about you on the Sydney Morning Herald, stuff that I didn't even know about you and, know. and things that I've always wanted to know but never thought to ask. Your mother is constantly in your life. She's amazing. She's hysterical. And often she is the brunt of a lot of your jokes up on stage. But your dad, you've never mentioned him. But in this article, it goes on to say that he left you and your two sisters and your mum and went back to Sri Lanka when you were how old? About five or six. <clears throat> and recently you've gone back to Sri Lanka to do a podcast. Yeah. Which I find is amazing. What was that like? Oh, I mean, yeah, my mum, single mum, um, raised us in uh, Melbourne. Yeah, pretty tough, tough job. Like, yes, single parenthood is difficult. And a foreign woman in a country that she's just starting to understand, you know, back then, let's be honest, it was a fair bit of racism. But she kind of like, when she tells us stories about like the racism that they copped, I'm like, what the, how the hell did you not want to punch everybody in the face? But they, but our parents' generation just deal with it so much differently. Like they just, I don't know, they can brush it off. Whereas now, like if someone says something to me, kind of annoying, I'll be like, what did you say? And it'll become yeah. like a, you know, like a, tw a tweet or it'll be my stand up and it doesn't compare. But yeah, she, she you know, clearly did a great job. Look at me. <laughs> but, um, but going back to Sri Lanka to do this podcast, I mean, I've been in touch with my dad in, in recent years. We've gotten in contact. It's very different reconnecting with a parent that you didn't sort of have a lot of face time with as in, in, in your formative years. It's like meeting an adult that you know is important to you and you have a, an emotional connection to, but like a, like a stranger that's somehow Kinda. been in like, the background for a long time. Like if you and I only had a friendship over Zoom, and that was it for years and years and years. When we meet in the flesh, as much as we know we've shared a lot of stuff together or we've got a significant relationship, it's still difficult to have that emotional connection. Oh, mm. I don't know. It feels strange. 
So it felt like there was a lot of work to do, but, but no, no, he's a, you know, um, different man to what he was when I was growing up and, you know, I'm a man and he's a man now. So it's, it's, it's interesting to meet your dad when you're probably so the you, age that he was when he kind of left. You did meet him when you went back to Sri Lanka. Yeah, I met, like, I met him the last few times I've been there, but this was a trip basically in a way for my son, Isa. Um, so this is for Audible. It's still being, um, we're still putting the, the episodes together. Mm-hmm. It's just to sort of, I guess, understand this Sri Lankan part of my heritage and kind of help explain that to him. And so understanding Sri Lanka, because every time I go to Sri Lanka, you know, and this is probably the same story with a lot of ethnic kids growing up in Australia, you go back to your parents' country and you just hang out with family, you know, and you don't ever get to see the country. And Sri Lanka has become this super popular place in the last few years. It's number one on Lonely Planet. Um, people, like all of my cool friends, and I'm sure you it's probably been on your list, they go to Sri Lanka and they're like, oh, I've been here, I've been there, I've been to Sigiriya, I've been to Dumbledore, all these places, and I've never get, gotten to go there because I don't get to experience it like a tourist. So this was me kind of getting to experience Sri Lanka like a tourist, but also kind of like understanding, I don't know how much you know about Sri Lanka politics, but like None. the con- Sri Lanka. There's, there was like a civil war, and Australia has had a debate about taking in a, in refugees from Sri Lanka because of the civil war. So we sort of got a connection to what's happening over there, and we just sort of want to understand that. It was it was a very interesting experience. I think um, I felt like I reconciled some of these gaps in my understanding of myself and my heritage, but I also left with many more questions. And um, and I feel like this podcast might be a little prickly. Sri Lankans don't often like to talk about some of our skeletons in the closet mm. uh, and there's consequences for that. So we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I know. I, I can see it when I ask you questions just when we're socialising and you know that you want to say something, but it's like, oh, should I maybe? I probably shouldn't divulge that. It's yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, like... Uh, modest. It, I don't know if it's modest, but definitely not. I'm an arrogant guy. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Mate, I do stand-up. I'm clearly not a, a shy little petal. Yes, but your stand-up's all about politics, mostly. It's strange because when you talk about things like that, politics and religion, I get it. Often I just think mumbo-jumbo, they're just scrambled (laughs) words in my head. I don't care. I don't care for politics. I don't buy into religion because it confuses me and it frustrates me. But you just share with such clarity. Honestly, I feel like religion is not for everybody. Religion gives me a lot, but ultimately, like religion helps me feel like a good, per- helps me become a better person. And if anyone can become a better person in any way that they can, then that's really the aim of the game, isn't it? So if you're not religious, but you find fulfillment and drive and satisfaction in other things, well, then that's working for you. So. Obviously, some people think that religion is bad. Some people think religion is good. But I just think whatever's working for you is working for you. Then just stick with it and don't impose on other people. And I mean, that's one of the great things about Australia a lot of the time is that we just are kind of just this hot pot. We kind of most of the time just like that we are different and weird. In Australia, we're kind of comfortable living differently and just hanging out with each other as well. You and I, we come from pretty different backgrounds. but No, um, I feel you. I want to go back to your son, Isa. He's two years yeah. old. He is, yep. I've never had the pleasure of meeting your delicious boy, but I've seen pictures. He's so cutesy pie. I've just been saving him up for you. <laughs> I can't wait. Now, because I'm about to be a mum very soon he's in September. Seriously. Oh, he's got long hair. He's beautiful. People are like, how old is she? I'm like, he is. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, and I need to know this as uh, perhaps even a piece of advice, what's the best and most surprising thing you've learned since becoming a dad? What surprised you about you? Well, one of the things is I feel like maybe you probably don't perceive this about me, but I I feel like I'm a bit of a control. Like I really want to, you know, I thought when I want to have my kid, you know, we really get to help mold this person and make him the person that you want to be. And I think that's part of parenthood and just like the expectation of parenthood is that you're like everything that I didn't get to do, everything that I want or my ideal person, I'm going to put onto this person mm. and help them be the best person, the best version of myself. That, But actually it's not how it works. They are kind of their own person from second one and you are running around their personality and learning about them and they call the shots and, um, you know, as much as, you know, everything from disciplining to, to feeding them or bathing them or putting them to sleep, it's not on, you don't make, you don't set the rules at all. So you sort of have to, and your personality is kind of like this, I think, and that, yes, you know, you're pretty malleable. You can, you're, you go with the flow, but at the same time, you do like to have like mm. things done your way. You have to kind of drop all that. You just have to go with the flow and your personality actually changes. It's, it's, it's like now looking back on what I thought parenting was and what I was like and, and, and knowing where I am right now, just kind of like surrounded by freaking toys on the floor and shit. Everywhere. Oh, that, like, that's <laughs> going to drive me nuts. The thought of the toys <laughs> everywhere is giving me anxiety. But it's kind of like you sort of, your personality will change. There are two types of parents. This is something that I haven't thought about, but now I think, oh, gross, leftovers, your kids' leftovers. Are you somebody that eats your child's leftovers or bins them? I eat them. Oh, what? I just just eat them. Sometimes, like, when, um, like, you know, you're serving, like, the chill baby food, okay, baby, baby food, like the mushy stuff, not so exciting. But, like, the food that you make for your kid when they're about two, when they're on solids is fun and it looks delicious. And if they're not going to eat it, I don't care. I'm going to eat, like. What are you making? Like, whether it's pasta and bits of, like, you know, with, with sausage or, or chicken or curry, whatever it is, like, it's fun. It's good food. Like yeah, it's good it, food, but not it. until they've half chewed it and spat it out back onto the plate. You know what you think? You think you're you're like looking at your kid like as some random person, which I get. But, <laughs> but trust me, your kid and I'm I'm a dad, so it's a completely different connection. With a mum, like the kid comes from your body. You're going to so say vagina no, then? I saw it. Kind of, there's no weirdness. It's almost like. Whatever comes out of the kid's mouth, you can put in your mouth. There's no kind of distance between you and your, you and your child. I might be in the minority here, but I find it kind of very normal. God, I'll, <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. What What do you cook in? Pasta, curry? Uh, mate, what do I cook? So yesterday, or are you, are you uh, like a no. packet? You give him the packet stuff in those little squeezy packets. I used to back in the day, but now it's like. So yesterday I made him like fish with pasta. Kind of like he likes that. Uh, Someone's like kanji, you know, kanji, you know, yeah. it's like porridge with like chicken in it, just, you know, sandwiches and stuff like that. Just, a, you know, bre- uh, cereal. He likes wheat beaks mashed up. Sometimes with this teaspoon of Milo in there. Ooh. Oh, really? That's Banana, a treat? Fruits. Yeah. He basically, they kind of, I just, I, I like seeing his face when he tries different things, you know, just um, What about yogurt. like stewed fruits? Well, so my mum tried to make him stewed fruit, stewed apple yesterday. And she like spent all this time making this the other guy, and uh, and I was like, here, he said, look, like, 
Uma, like your grandma's way. And then he just looked at it, kind of like put a little bit in his mouth and just went, eh, and just like chucked it. And <laughs> there was a whole bowl of his beautiful stew. And we were fasting, so none of us could eat it. He didn't oh, like it. How so, utterly ungrateful. I know, freaking kids. Just the thing. <laughs> well, what are you supposed to do in that instance? Because I can't, I can't bear the thought of, and in fact, I despise the stories of mothers who are like the short order cooks, like they'll cook this for that kid and that for that kid right. because that kid won't eat that. And, oh, no, yeah. my, my child only eats tinned tuna, white mm. rice and right, Philadelphia right. cream cheese mixed together and that's all they'll eat. How is it, like if your child was at that point that, you try and get them onto veggies or something nutritious. Have you have you come to that point yet? Um, no. So, like, at the moment, like, he's kind of eating things that are put in front of him. However, if they're not eating whatever's in front of them and you need them to have sustenance and calories in their belly, I'll just kind of go, oh, far out. I'll just give him whatever I know he's going to eat right now. He can't just be starving. And sometimes I, he literally just will not eat something. And as much as I was like, I don't care, he could just sit there until he eats it. You just When they're crying and just like basically looking at you with like, why are you making me do something I don't want to do, I? <laughs> you, just kind of, you, you just melt. I don't know. I'm probably pretty weak, but um, I just give him whatever he will eat. I haven't gone to the point where I'm like, oh, will he only eats X, Y, Z. But, yeah, you can't. I find it difficult to force him to eat things that he doesn't want to. Yeah, eat. What yeah. would you do, say, fast forward a little bit and he's four, he's starting to get quite fussy, you put like a couple of florets of broccoli on his little high chair just yeah. for that sort of nutrition. He's not really into anything green. you got yeah. to try and get that into his diet. What are you going to do? At that age, I think you can, like he doesn't understand bargaining. If you do this, then we can play that game or watch, read that book, whatever. But I think I'm just gonna. I'm. I think I, I'm good at bargain. You go to the night markets with me in Malaysia or whatever. I'll be like thirty ringgit or whatever. And then if they don't give it to me, I'll walk away. I'll back myself with the deal. So I'll just make. <laughs> I'll make hard deals with this kid. Thing is, I reckon that they learn really quickly. So he'll know what my game is. Yeah, he'll quick. know what your game is. If he's anything like you, he's oh, not going to be stupid. I don't really know what's going to happen here. Only oh. child as well, you know. Uh, he is. You'll have an only child until you have another one. <laughs> I know, and I think about that too. I'm Are like, you an only, no, you're. I'm one you're of four. Four, okay. Act like an only child. <laughs> what? I'm joking. That's not his though. No, that you're right. I probably do. I probably do sometimes. I think when I was young, I was really fussy with food as well. I hated broccoli. So <laughs> my parents would try to have to mush it up into the spaghetti bolognese. I ate it. <laughs> Yeah. I had no qualms with it whatsoever. You seem to eat everything. Like I haven't – you could probably go to some weird market from some like foreign food place and you just would eat the weirdest stuff. No, nah, untrue, untrue. <laughs> the only reason why I ate half the stuff that I ate on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here is because I knew I was getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah, but if you like, for instance, went to Scotland and they have that – what is that, blood Haggis. So is that where they cook oh, with blood? Oh, um, black pudding. Yeah, would you have that? Yeah, it's beautiful. But that's blood. See, like you would eat weird stuff. So you yeah, eat but weird stuff. a steak has blood in it. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Like it's an it's an added ingredient. Like you choose to put it in there. <laughs> yeah, it's just like here's a bit, here's a cup of urine. Here's a cup of blood. Not urine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is the Scottish are gross. No. <laughs> when does your comedy festival? Because obviously we're in the middle of COVID. When does the solo show? Hussein that come back? I was one week into the national tour 
and then the whole thing got cancelled and had to refund all the tickets and don't know when we're going to be able to do stand-up again because when can you have live performances? Yeah. Casey Donovan did a, did a show I saw, you know, to cars. Yeah, like a drive-in. Drive-in, yeah. So you can't do that with stand-up, I think, because you need to hear everybody. But, you know, last night I was talking to a comedian and they were saying um, some of the old venues, one of them start doing comedy again, but then they did the measurements and they're like, actually, we can only have 20 people in here if we all keep one and a half metre distance. Mm. I don't know. Do you mm. love being a comedian? Man, it's so much fun. It's uh, it's so ridiculous because I used to work in an office. I was doing tax, you know, studied law and science, and that's what I thought I was going to do. I never, genuinely, never thought I'd be doing stand-up, and then it just kind of happened. You know, I was just sort of mucking around on the side. I uh, got offered to do this television show, and then I had to take six months off at work. Thought I'd come back, but it just kind of rolled on. So it's it's really exciting because it kind of came out of nowhere, and because it was my hobby, that now I'm like doing it for like to pay the bills like i'm feeding my kid with jokes which is a strange realization <laughs> i look i remember when he was born i looked at him i was like i'm gonna support you with jokes what the hell is wrong with me I started, that was the first time i ever started stressing out about my career like i have to be i have to be funny now <laughs> do you feel like you stress out about that all the time because the entertainment industry in australia is really difficult like it's hard i won't lie like it's not you don't just um sit back and think arts or you know i'm in a cushy job it's unlike um any other job the entertainment industry especially if you're a performer because you have an audience but you you might not the next year or but to be honest i feel like with you know television and radio and all that sort of stuff can come and go but for me i really like doing stand-up because you've got an audience of people there if you are good to them then they might come back and do you have a writer um no i just write Come on with us. No, a rider. Rider. It's just like energy drinks. So you you ask for energy drinks specifically. I'm a I'm a chocoholic, but I've now I've dropped down to sugar-free energy drinks, which is, which doesn't make you fat. It just gives you cancer. (laughs) (laughs) But then I was talking to Tommy Little, and he's like, "Why do you have like an upper? Because when you walk on stage, that gives you that buzz. So he has like." a beer or something to chill him down because oh. when he gets on stage, he's like, but I think we've got very different styles of comedy. Like I feel like I need to be a bit amped. Why? I just, I just like to be really energetic. So you, so you have like a, an energy drink. You're all zinging. You're pinging around on stage. Tommy Little has a beer and he's like, oh. he probably sounds more like a normal person on stage. Whereas I sound like a nutcase. I'm just like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like I'm, Freaking insane. I can't watch myself back. I'm like, why am I yelling so much? What are you doing when post-show, post-comedy festival and all the comedians gather together and go for beers? Yeah. What's that look like for you? I've been used to that my whole life, so it's kind of normal. I, I, I always feel it's always weird for everybody else when they're just like, oh, you know, drinking. But, you know, Husey doesn't drink, and no one would really know if you just heard him talk because he just sounds like a... <laughs> he sounds drunk <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think the day that I am not able to enjoy myself, then I might consider alcohol. But right at the moment, like I'm pretty nuts as I am. I think you know, like you know my personality. I'm I'm not someone that probably needs encouragement. I'm nuts as I am. I'm pretty nuts as I am. I uh, <laughs> should probably see a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I see one of those, so don't worry about it. No shame. <laughs> And the same. And for the very final question, may I ask, if there was one dish from your childhood that you could have again, something that brings back amazing memories, what would it be? Mm, one dish. Okay. 
It's called Vakalapam, which is <laughs> which is like a Sri Lankan cream caramel. Oh my gosh! Spell it. W A T T A L or maybe two L's A P or maybe two P's A M. So what will happen is a good way to say it. Ah. Vatalapam. Vatalapam. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Yum. I want some of that. So uh, we're on for a date, mate. Lock it in. Good luck with the pregnancy. Oh, thanks so much. Can't wait to meet he, he or her. Do you want to come for the birth? Yeah, I'll be there. Cool. Oh, Nazim, my dear friend Nazim Hussain. If you have any questions for Nazim or to find out where he's going to be performing next, head to nazimhussain.com. And if you've got a question for me, hit me up in my DMs on my Instagram, ashpollard underscore underscore. In fact, I do have a listener question right now. Lena from Bendigo. Lena says, Ash, love to know your thoughts on the sourdough baking craze. It feels like every second person in my Instagram feed has perfected the art of sourdough baking while under COVID-19 restrictions. My first, second and third attempt was a complete fail. I've spent so much money on ingredients. Is baking your own bread really all it's cracked up to be? Should I persist or buy from my local artisan bread maker? Mmm... I'm lazy when it comes to making a sourdough starter myself and I adore Woodfrog Bakery here in Melbourne and I adore Woodfrog Bakery here in Melbourne. So often I'll go and spend the big bucks on the beautiful sourdough. Often I'll go and spend the big bucks on a beautiful sourdough loaf, but I will say if you can perfect a sourdough starter and you have the time to feed it and give it the love and attention it deserves – you are going to come up with some amazing loaves, I guarantee it. So I say persist for a little while longer, but if all else fails, head on down to the bakery. Thanks for listening to Tuesdays with me, Ash Pollard. All thanks to Red Energy. Now is the time to switch to 100% Australian electricity and gas retailer. Call 131 806. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. Real estate, cooking, parenting, home design, plus the sport of gardening with Dale Vine. I never thought I'd say it, Jane, but compost is on trend at the moment. It is uh, <laughs> it is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series, available wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.